Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sasquadcast, the only podcast all about Camp Susqua. Today on the podcast, Peter and I sit down with Ted Tripp. Ted is best known as the author of Shepherding a Child's Heart, but he was also a pastor and, most importantly for our purposes, a frequent chaplain here at Camp Susqua from the 70s and beyond. Expect to learn how Susqua can be a great shaping influence on the lives of children, how Bob Dittmar was a very intentional camp director without being a micromanager, and expect to hear some funny camp stories as well. Thanks for joining us today around the campfire. Let's listen in. We are here with Dr. Ted Tripp, who has been connected with Camp Susqua for several years now, and I thought we might start, but before we talk about how you got connected with Camp Susqua, I wanted to ask if you might share how you came to know the Lord. Oh boy, I was uh, I was raised in a Christian home where uh, I, we always went to church, and there were many, many times in my youth and childhood that uh, I went forward. That was kind of the tradition we were in, you know. I went forward and I would pray the sinner's prayer and uh, uh, do pretty well for a couple of days. And then, you know, uh, and, and, you know, but there was no evidence of new birth or new life or spiritual hunger or anything. Just a moment of conviction that I think was true conviction. And it's, you know, God, talk about being in the long game. God's in the long game. So, <laughs> you know, God was working on me even then. So I don't look back at those times that I went forward with cynicism, that I was insincere. You know, I think I was very sincere, but just never any evidence of change. Then God worked in me as a young adult, actually. It was uh, my wife and I were both students at Nyack College, which is a Christian Missionary Alliance college. And uh, she graduated from there. I was only there for one year. But we were both pretty rebellious, and uh, uh, we understood each other because we were both rebelling against the same things. Hmm. And so uh, we got married, and uh, it was really after we got married that God saved us. Uh, we uh, I started listening to... Uh, uh, Al Martin, hmm. pastor in New Jersey, you know, my sister gave me these tapes and I had a reel to reel tape recorder in my car. This is five inch reels. This is before cassettes. Yeah. So, uh, I was reel to reel tape recorder. I would listen to these sermons. I was very moved by them. And, uh, then, uh, you know, as we showed interest, uh, they told us about this church. We were living in Toledo, Ohio. And in Saline, Michigan, right up the interstate uh, from us was a uh, a little Baptist church, and uh, we went to this church. The first Sunday we went, the pastor preached from Romans 3, 9 and following, you know, there's no one good, not even one, no one seeks God, all have turned aside, the poison of asps under their lips, you know, mm-hmm. their feet are swift to shed blood, ruin and misery mark their paths, the way of peace <laughs> they do not know. And uh, I was very convicted by the message. My wife was upset with the message, and she told him so as we left uh, <laughs> and uh, assured him that we would never be back in that <laughs> church. Uh, the next Sunday, we were back. And those dear people, uh, Bob and Carol Nelson, they took us under their wing, and they shepherded us for a year or so. And uh, I think it was that was when we were both were saved. And in God's kindness to us, we're both saved within a week of each other. Hmm. And it just radically changed our lives. We had a hunger for God's word, a hunger for God's truth. And uh, so uh, from there is when I went to seminary. Uh, But uh, that was how I came to know the Lord. So I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, my parents were very sincere Christians. And uh, I can't blame them for my rebellion. And the same would be true. Margie would say the same is true of her folks. But uh, my rebellion was my rebellion. Mm. And uh, God overruled my rebellion and saved me in spite of myself. 
Well, that's a that's, that's an amazing story, Ted. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Nyack. Was there any Bob Dittmar connection at Nyack? Was that is, or no? Was that just? I, a, but I'll tell you a connection with Bob Dittmar. Okay. Bob Nelson, who was our pastor in Saline, Michigan, was a roommate of Bob Dittmar at Nyack College. No, yeah, no surprise there. Yeah, that 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 wow. that just seems to fit the Susquehanna. Yeah, things and that Bob happened. Nelson yeah. was first reformed preacher we ever sat under mm. uh i wouldn't describe him as a reformed baptist i'd describe him more of the calvinistic baptist because mm-hmm. he really didn't have a covenantal view but he was very solid in terms of soteriology mm-hmm. and uh so that's uh yeah and bob bob nelson had an amazing ministry he uh he pastored during immediately after world war ii mm-hmm. so that period uh, you know, when Capsos was being formed. Right. And he was a fifth grade teacher. He would find a city in Michigan that didn't have a good, solid Baptist church. And he would get a job working for this school board as a teacher. It's not hard to get teaching jobs then because the baby boom was taking place. Mm-hmm. Start a Bible study, get a group together, build a church building, call a pastor, and he would move on. And he started eight or ten churches in Michigan over the course of his ministry. Well, yeah, Bob really Nelson was yeah. this uh, missionary that gotcha. uh, started churches. And he built the same church building every place. He had one set of plans. They just <laughs> adapted it to the site. Yeah. And uh, Wow. Well, that's phenomenal. And then uh, Al Martin also had a, like, a lot of Susquehanna connections uh, back back in the day. We, had a, well, we still, you know, People from his church still come to Susquehanna, sure. you know, over the sure. years. But that's that's really neat. Um, if I, I can follow up with a question, sure. But it's, it's it's taking us in a different direction, Dave. So if you wanted to follow up on his testimony, please continue. Well, I I did just want to say I appreciate it. We uh, train our counselors to share their their stories in five to ten minutes around a campfire, and so that was a great example of incorporating <laughs> the gospel in your own story. That I'd love to point our our counselors to yeah. when we train them. Do we have to pay him additional royalties if we add this to our staff training? Oh, you know what? That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a good question. Feel free to use it. <laughs> but it's, it's, on, it's on tape. We got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, just We're going to get to how you got to Susquehanna altogether, but I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit about what you're doing at Susquehanna right now other than recording well, a podcast uh, with me. Well, Margie and, and I, uh, actually, you know, we've had a wonderful ministry uh during the years that after Shepherd and Child's Heart was published, the church gave me a lot of freedom to travel all over the world and teach. And uh, uh, I and all over the United States, I've taught in all 50 states and in 41 different countries. And so we've we've done a lot of that kind of ministry. But we're now in a new chapter of life because my wife has a lot of mobility issues. Mm. And so uh, I've made the decision not to accept speaking engagements and uh, to stay at home because she needs for me to be with her. She's, uh, because she's so dependent on me physically, that also mm. increases a psychological sense of dependence if I'm not there. Sure. And uh, I'm happy to do that. I don't feel any sense of uh, regret about it. I, you know, it's a commitment I made 54 years ago. Mm. So I'm happy to fulfill that commitment. And uh, so it's a new chapter of life for us. So I, have a couple of things I'm finishing up right now that were already planned years ago. And so I I have a seminar coming in a few weeks in San Diego and maybe one or two things this year. Mm-hmm. And then I will not be doing any more uh, speaking events. What about specifically today and tomorrow uh, here at Camp School? Oh, here what yeah. I'm doing. I'm so thankful to be talking uh, to the folks who have gathered for this Together for the Gospel Central Pennsylvania event and uh, talking about motivation for ministry and mm. uh, uh, also identity, you know, where we drive our sense of identity in ministry. And I also will be talking about the father or the pastor as a husband and a father and uh, how to navigate not neglecting either calling uh, mm. and not making one be done at the sacrifice of the other, mm. which That's... I think is what often happens. Yeah, I I. I... I totally agree with it. And I think that's that's a strong tension and even uh, probably provides a lot of guilt and frustration for pastors and 
conflict within their families as yeah, well. Yeah, even so more frustration is, for their wives. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So this is a, a great, great, and uh, I think very important topic for. Uh, we, we got like fifty four pastors here to yeah, hear great this word. group. This great. I loved uh, the first session I had with them, talking with them, and uh, hearing their uh, heart for God and uh, and their responsiveness to God's word. So really wonderful. Well, we appreciate you coming up and doing this. This is uh, one of my favorite retreats that we host at Susquehanna, and uh, it's it's kind of neat that you know Dave, Dave and I are are not pastors. Um, you know, none of us at Susquehanna are, and uh, and we helped kind of formulate and get this started. But then we we they've Gospel Coalition; these guys kind of have taken it and run with it, and we're glad that we get to kind of be along for the ride and. Uh, yeah, you've got these, some good uh, leaders. Events, yeah. I mean, Corey and TJ and Dan, you know, some good guys providing yeah. leadership that, uh, you know, I think really have a heart for ministry. And I'm really excited that's going on. I know our pastor has come for some of them, yeah. uh, Pastor Bennett, and uh, he couldn't come this time because his mother's visiting mm. from Georgia. But uh, I, I know he's really appreciated coming yeah. up for these things. And I love that it's an opportunity for a connection between pastors largely of smaller churches. And in central Pennsylvania, TJ was saying when he introduced the retreat this afternoon, you don't think of, let's go to, to Williamsport for our strategic mission outreach, but that, that doesn't mean that God is not doing things in this region. And we have some commuters traveling well, all the way from Canada and yeah. in a couple cases. Uh, and, and from New York State. And New yeah. York, upstate yeah. New York, just to be here. So that's really neat to see. Well, it's fun for me. It's been really in, satisfying for me to see the growth of partnerships between rural churches as a result of, like, this has been kind of the hub for a lot of those partnerships and friendships and relationships to grow. And um, Sasko has been a great beneficiary of it just because we get to connect with those churches and, and see them thrive. And uh, I know my church personally, we've got, all of our elders are here actually right now. And I'm really glad for them to have a, you know, a place where they're be, even just being able to connect with elders from other churches and spend some time almost like you know, as a retreat. Is a yeah. There's a kind too. of a neediness too in, in rural Pennsylvania that is very different than the kind of ministry you'd have in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, these uh, rural communities that are economically backward and, mm. and also, uh, so infested with with uh, drug use uh, and so forth yeah. because of the death of the American dream. You know, mm, people yeah. anesthetize themselves and such a great need for gospel churches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's, it's there's kind of been a, maybe this is a pendulum swing and we're probably likely to overcorrect on this, but going from focusing on cities as a, and now we're, I think we, we've moved back to we're focusing more on on rural areas and recognizing the needs of, of rural communities and churches, which I, I think is great because I selfishly, because I live in a rural community, I, I want the focus on me. I don't live in New York yeah. City. I don't live in Philadelphia. I live in Trout Run. <laughs> yeah. I think the guys in Wellsboro have a podcast, don't they, for pastors? They do, yeah. Because yeah. I've done their podcast too for yeah. pastors uh, living or serving rural churches. Mm-hmm. So, but but to get get back on, this is the Susquadcast after all. This is a Susquad <laughs> podcast. Right. We should talk about Susquad. So, uh, I, I was going to ask before Peter derailed us. Go, but, go right ahead. Uh, so just how did you first get connected with Susqua? You know, we uh, we, we started an open home ministry in the Hazleton area in 1974. Uh, and uh, the uh, I don't remember how... I first got the invitation to come, but I was invited that July to come and be a chaplain at the family camp. It was also the the day that it started, that, that changeover day was Saturday, was also the day we were having a big open house for our ministry. And so I stayed as long as I could, and then I drove to Susquehanna. I'd never been here before, and uh, first met uh, uh, Chief Bob, and uh, uh, some of the people who were here, Dick Barrett, uh, various <laughs> people that were here at the time. And uh, that was really, uh, I, I shared this with Peter one time. I, The first time I did a staff devotional at 6.30 or whatever it is when it happens in the morning, uh, Kelly Nolden was 17 years old. 
and Kelly, I listened to Kelly pray, and I'm 10 years older than Kelly, and I thought, this young guy really has substance. You hmm. know, this is a very unusual, insightful young man. And uh, I didn't know I would spend most of my adult life with him being very much engaged in ministry with him at Emmanuel Christian School. And, of course, he's continued to have his mm. hands in Sasqua all these years because he loves this place so much. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, that, that was my first time was uh, in 1974. You know, it reminds me of a, a funny anecdote. Just recently, Kelly was here and I was asking him if he'd join us on the podcast because he hasn't yet. And he kind of chuckled and he confessed he hasn't really listened to them because they're too long for his taste. So maybe that <laughs> now that he has a, a friend on the podcast, he'll, he'll actually give it a listen. Kelly, we're appreci- we appreciate you if you're listening in. So you started as a, a family camp chaplain. And yes. then how often did you come back? What I was did the- that, oh, for maybe eight or 10 years pretty regularly. And then we started a retreat from our church. Mm. It's probably been, oh my goodness, it's got to be over 30 years ago. Yeah. Our, our May retreat that we always had at Susquehanna. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, became uh, a connection with Susquehanna that we had annually. And for many years, my wife and I ran that retreat. And then subsequently, others have continued it. And even Kurt Nolan uh, was one of the people that's kept it going, Kelly's yeah. uh, youngest son. So uh, uh, we've had that connection, too, and I've also had the opportunity to speak in family camp, and I think I've done a couple of the blast or freezes mm-hmm. or winter mm-hmm. retreats over the years. As my And spring family weekend. Yeah. You are, you are our yeah. inaugural the first, first, first spring family weekend. Speaker. Yeah, and then I've also done the uh, homeschooling weekend mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of – and then the other connection for me has been my kids. Uh mm-hmm especially my youngest two. Uh, my my daughter came to Susquehanna as a camper. She loved it. She became a, a sit. Then she became a staff member and a counselor. And the same with my youngest son, Aaron. So they were both uh, very influenced by Susquehanna. And we, Margie and I have seen this. We've seen this with our church, too, and as well as with our own kids. Susquehanna becomes this wonderful, fun places for kids to go to work they're doing ministry. They're also having fun with other kids. There are all kinds of zany adventures that are attached to it. And it's uh, it just is a very, very wonderful support to, you know, what they're hearing in their churches, in their homes. They're, you know, they realize, boy, there are other people our age that are fun to be with that also believe these same things. Yeah. And I think it's had that wonderful uh, effect on our kids. Uh so I, I'm very, very grateful for that. It's been a good thing for our, our children. Yeah, well, we're grateful for that, too. And you mentioned you you probably did, you know, for eight to ten years, you were family, doing the family camps and, and very regularly involved. Um, one of the one of the challenges we have as staff here is to figure out, like, to identify, like, we, we know it. We, we come to camp. We loved it. We stuck around. Um, some of us by choice with, you know, I'm, I'm putting it at Dave. Uh, some of us, because we were born into it, and we we kind of had to. Uh, looking at myself, um, but what made you want to? What 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 did you appreciate about Susquehanna that made you want to stick around and and um, and continue it? Well, I think I resonated with Susquehanna because uh, of the high view of God, and that's just one of the things that uh, 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 each year, you know, what uh, you wanted from chaplains was. <laughs> to talk about God, the attributes of God, the character of God, the greatness and glory of God. Mm. And uh, that, of course, resonates with, resonated very much with me, and, uh, and uh, uh, I appreciated that, uh, that high view of God mm. that, that uh, marks Susquehanna's ministry. Uh, I also really uh, uh, enjoyed... Uh, your grandfather for uh, Bob Dittmar, uh enjoyed his uh, uh, his his leadership was kind of interesting to observe because he was not the out front rah rah 
Siskumba, you know, mm. leader, but he was very much, he had his fingers on everything uh-huh. and, uh, uh, you know, was a uh, really a, a servant leader. Mm. And it, I appreciated that very much. It, when, I, when we ask people about Bob, we, we usually get kind of that, a similar um, take on that. And it really is interesting. Like, I don't think many people would, would have considered him like a micromanager. But yet he was he was engaged in all aspects of the camp, like w- whether it's the, you know, what color flowers should we have in the flower bed as people drive in or how we set tables there. And it wasn't so much that he was this, at least from my perspective, correct me if I'm wrong. It wasn't that he was a domineering personality that made sure everything's being done his way, but he had a lot of concern for intentionality about everything. Yeah, I don't think of him as a dominant figure at all, but I think of him as very intentional. Yeah. And there was an intentionality and a thoughtfulness. This is the way we do it. We do it this way for this reason. Yeah. And so there was a thoughtfulness about everything, uh, the round tables, Yeah. so you can have conversation. If you have long tables, you don't have conversation. Mm-hmm. All, I mean, all those things were very intentional, purposeful, and thoughtful, and... Uh, Everything about the camp, uh, I think, was like that. Uh, the way the buildings were constructed, the way they were designed and used and all that was all, there was thoughtfulness in it. I also always respected the fact that they they drew up a master plan when they got this property mm-hmm. and pretty much have you know, probably 90% st- stuck to it, yeah. which has been wonderful because it still has this very open feel even though there are buildings tucked in everywhere. Mm. And uh, it's amazed me how many more buildings have been tucked in in the last 30 years <laughs> yeah. and that still have not changed the general appearance when you drive up to the property. Yeah. And, but I think that was all part of that thoughtfulness uh, and intentionality on the part of, uh, of, of Bob Dittmar. That, uh, uh, I also appreciate the fact that he was, he was theologically... Uh, sound without being rigid and stuffy hmm. uh, you know so he was he was willing to explore ideas I remember having a conversation with him one time about hey what do you think about the idea of us having kids swim on Sunday afternoon oh that might not seem like a shocking idea right now but in the 70s when he broached that question with me it was a more you know uh well, uh, you know, let's think mm. about that mm. kind of thing. But he was willing to ask those kinds of questions, mm. and to, uh, and and he, I think he, he, he was also sensitive to the fact I was pastoring a church that was one of the constituencies that the camp was serving. Yeah, and so he was wise in those ways and yeah. uh, identifying who are the who are the people that are the the stakeholders here that. Uh, We'll have an interest in the choices we're making. Hmm. So I, I, uh, I always appreciated those things. Yeah. You talk about the master plan kind of reminds me about, um, uh, I guess it was eight or nine years ago, we started uh, a, a renovation project on the dining hall. And we sat together as a staff and identified some of the, the needs of the dining hall and uh, made some kind of recommendations. We talked to the board and the board and, and the master plan committee. We all talked. And we came up with this like kind of four phase plan for to address the deficiency of the building, and uh, we approved it as a board. And not long after we approved it, I was going through a filing cabinet, and I found uh, a folder that had um, plans for some dining hall improvements. And I opened it up, and wouldn't you know, it's exactly what we had come up with. So we we. <laughs> That's but but from like 30 years prior, which was both incur- it was encouraging me because I'm like, OK, I think we're on the right path because, yeah. you know, Bob, Phil, all these guys, you know, and, and this they, they thought through this back in the 80s and the, and the early, you know, the, the late 80s. And they came to the same conclusion we've come to later. That was encouraging. What was discouraging was, OK, 30 years have gone by. We weren't able to address any of these. <laughs> <laughs> but I think th- that's a beautiful example, because. As you come up to the dining hall, it has the same appearance it had mm, 50 yeah. years ago. Yeah. But it's uh, the building is a very different building in many ways because of the extended porch, the extended kitchen, and so forth. But it's just uh, one of those uh, kind of sneaky ways of uh, 
of doing development that I think for a camp is so important because sometimes camps just get over polluted with buildings and they lose their they lose that charm of open space. Yeah. Which is one of the wonderful things that you know kids enjoy and people enjoy having their kids in a place where there's a lot of open space and beautiful mountains all around it. Yeah. This is a, we, we did an, we contacted an outside consulting firm a few years ago to do an organizational assessment as we're growing to make sure we're growing up over our foundation and not, you know, uh, making mistakes with where we're going. And one of the things we discovered through, they, they did, you know, hundreds of interviews with different stakeholders and staff and alumni, donors, campers, things like that. And one of the consistent things um, was just how special the place is. It's not, I mean, the people are clearly important. That's probably the number one asset of Saskua, but, um, but it is really people resonate with just this location and how beautiful it is. And I think that's a kind of a, I, I, I think growing up here, I may have taken that for granted a little bit, but seeing this through everybody else's eyes, it was like, okay, wow, we really, yeah we need to, and we need to be and that, you know, that puts a big burden of stewardship on us that we, sure. if this is that special to so many people, we have to be really careful with how we you know, build our sewage treatment plant in the next few years or, or whatever. Or if we build a new pool, where are we going to put it? We have to really think through those things carefully. I wonder if you could talk about, you are perhaps best known for your ministry and your book related to, to shepherding a, a child's heart and shepherding a, a family. How did Susqua prepare you for some of the insights that you've included in your your work there with families and the the ministry that's followed. Yeah, well, I've always appreciated the uh, the emphasis of of Susqua on being kids centered without being uh, oh I don't know how to uh, how to state the balance cl- uh, cleverly, but the idea of having a very uh, kid-friendly, open, embracive environment, and yet maintaining standards and expectations. Mm. And there's a tension there. You can fall off that on either side. And I think Susqua has uh, has done a good job of that. Uh, I think the, uh, uh, the, the, the emphasis in Susqua on Scripture and the high view of scripture and the place of scripture. The fact we don't have to go beyond the scriptures uh, has been influential for me. Yeah. And and uh, that's what I sought to do in writing shepherding. That's why I don't have any footnotes of, of uh, from ex- experts on child rearing. I'm not against that, but you mm-hmm. know, I just thought I want to just develop themes that I find in the Bible and unpack those themes mm-hmm. and the centrality of the gospel I think it's also been a big uh, highlight issue in Susquehanna. And that's one of the things I sought to build into Shepherding a Child's Heart. You talk in the book about shaping influences and uh, I forget. Godward orientation. Godward orientation. That's right. So obviously we think that camp for kids is a pretty significant shaping influence. Can can you talk about how camp can be effective at, at coming alongside parents and, and churches? Well, I, I think, I mean, it's obviously uh, Susquehanna has been a tremendous shaping influence for a lot of people that I think of people like, uh, uh, you know, that I knew, you know, back in the 70s that were, influenced by Susquehanna, people like Timmy Staver and his brothers who who came to Susquehanna from a non-Christian home and came because it was a good camp program. Yeah. And God used Susquehanna as a powerful shaping influence in their in their lives. But I think the the uh, I think as parents we're always looking for those connections that will help our where there are other voices and other people uh, who we can come alongside of, they can come alongside us to be speaking the same truths and framed in different words from different voices, but the same uh, essential truths that our kids need to hear. And that was how I looked at Susquehanna when I had 
kids that I sent here as campers. My youngest son came the first time that I think we were seven, which at the time was the youngest age you could come. And every summer after that, but uh, you know they uh, that that uh, the the function of Susquehanna is a place where there are godly people who are safe spiritual guides, kids that are being trained and taught to minister, and uh, is is a powerful thing and is apparent. I was delighted to have my kids love Camp Susquehanna because I knew that was a place where they would be safe and where they would be encouraged in the pursuit of God. Uh, so I, I think that's uh, one of the ways that uh, I, we were served as a family by Susquehanna's ministry. It, it always amazes me that um, our, our chaplains and our counselors are not sharing a different message than parents and, and church leaders because there's no, there's no, uh, we don't have any secret truth here. There's, we have, we have the same Bible, the same message that the kids are hearing at, uh, at church and, and they may hear it in and out at church or from their parents every day. And I say this as a parent with my kids that, that, that attend programs here and love it. My children have heard these stories from me ad nauseum, but when they hear it from their counselor, it sticks in a different way. Mm-hmm. And part of me is discouraged by that. <laughs> but, uh, but another part of me is just so pleased that like there is this place uh, that, you know, they, they're getting to hear these truths. And for whatever reason in this setting with these people, maybe it's because it's just this many times it's finally going to sink in, but uh, it, it sticks with them from here. And I, my life too, as, as a kid, I grew up in a Christian household with, Parents that taught me, you know, good biblical truth. We, we attended church, but I remember chapels and devotions with counselors. It's, it's like, you know, beautiful technicolor memories that, that, that really stick out. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think I could tell you a single sermon from my past, from any of the pastors I sat under from ages eight to 16, (laughs) But I can tell you when Mike Canton bright at, would bring out his brown bag and what what would come, I got that is you know ingrained in my brain forever. So I, I think that's a, a really unique opportunity that we have for whatever reason. It, it, you you take kids into a different environment away from they're used to, and things really seem to stick. Yeah, more. I think this the it's the uh, you mentioned the beauty of the place. It's the beauty mm-hmm. of the place. It's the fact that there's a uh, a constant flow of activities, uh, you know, from, you know, singing I'm Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt you know, on <laughs> the first night. And all that stuff that's so fun for kids mm-hmm. that they look forward to it. And they're so they're they're primed and they're open to hearing truth because mm-hmm. they're in an environment they enjoy. They're having fun and they have people that are caring people that are speaking truth to them. And I, I think it, it just creates that. Uh, context where yeah. things stick and, and I that's think, a very special how do you produce that i mean that's yeah uh, you know you can't have a formula for it you just have to hope that you don't break it yeah that's <laughs> a scary <laughs> scary thing yeah. to say to a camp director but i like and i my counselors to me were like rock stars like i remember thinking they're this cool then i became an adult and i realized they're a bunch of nerds and like they're kind of like <laughs> they're kind of dorky guys like I, I now know them as adults and have adult relationships with them and it's uh it's it's like wait i thought you were cool what is <laughs> but it's still it's it's a neat thing to see that and, and you're right i you know that, that's my prayers and we don't break it yeah yeah it's a really neat experience parenting young kids while living at Camp Susquehanna. And already I see, I, I have a four-year-old son and a nine-month-old daughter. And uh, our four-year-old Josiah already kind of knows that the counselors are cooler than me. And so just recently for winter camp, he, he was excited because he, he saw counselors arriving. He was like, the, the counselors are here. And the, the other day at, at breakfast, he was excited just thinking about summer camp because the counselors would be here. And I don't know where talking about like growth in your ability to minister to others. If you're an 18 or 19 year old where you can get that kind of experience where you have um, the support 
of the the staff here training you, uh, but also the the influence and the respect from from kids um, before you, you're ever even a parent or. Um, I think it's it's just very rare to have that kind of influence as a, a young person un, unless you do, you know, camp. Yeah. One of the cool things I think, too, about your program is that not only do you have, you've got the camp going off with the campers, you also have another whole layer of ministry, which perhaps maybe is even more important, yeah. where you're ministering to people who are teaching them how to be servants, how to serve, how to minister to others, how to how to deal with the ups and downs and frustrations and trials of ministry. And that's all taking place at the same time. So you got ministry taking place on different levels all at once. And you've got, you've got your, uh, your, your staff that are, uh, you know, groundskeeping staff and so forth that are not in direct contact with campers, but they're also learning how to go out and do hard work. That's not always fun. And there's always the taking out the garbage parts of every job and they're learning how to, work in those ways and find joy in it. So you've got ministry taking place on so many different levels. And that I think is always one of the real exciting things for me when I come to this place. I just, I'm watching this happen. I'm watching young people who are growing and developing and, and uh, getting a hold of truth and kids who are being exposed to truth. And, uh, you know, it's, I just think the ministry is taking place. It's like a giant mosaic, you know, and, Mm. Or like a mobile. <laughs> it's all <laughs> happening on different levels at yeah. the same time. Now, these, I think we, we've, we've talked mostly about like relatively serious topics that, you know, relate to Susquehanna's ministry goals and, and how we do ministry here. Um, but there's a lot of, like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of zany things that happen at Susquehanna. And I was just curious, especially given the people that you've already mentioned, because uh, I mean, I, there's so many I hope I hope any of the stavers are listening because there are so many funny staver stories over the years, um, but or or you know Noldens or Barretts, all of those. Can you hit us? And, and I'll we'll give you a few seconds to to think about it because we can edit out long pauses, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, an anecdote from your time here, well, something that let, sticks out. Let me tell you an anecdote that's very personal to us. Okay. I mentioned earlier that we sent our youngest son to Sasqua. First this, is, time. this is Aaron. Aaron. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, Margie was very concerned about it because she felt like he was a baby. He had never been away from home. He had never been away from home overnight before. And he was seven years old. He's going to go to Camp Sasquatch. And I was giving her these bland assurances that a husband gives his wife, you know, honey, they've not lost any campers in over 30 years, so he's going to be okay. So uh, before she sent him, she gave him... Uh, she packed a suitcase. She gave him a guided tour of the suitcase, showed him everything she had put in there for him, told him when he was supposed to use it, how he was supposed to use it. She got to the underwear. She said, don't forget, put on a clean pair of underpants every day. He came home at the end of the week, no worse for wear, had a good time, looked a little bulky. We discovered he's wearing seven pairs of underpants. He put on a clean pair every day, just like Mother said. <laughs> she made this massive assumption that he would understand he's supposed to take off the dirty pair before he puts on the clean pair. But uh, he put on a clean pair. I don't know how his counselor missed that, but he put on a clean pair every day. He did say it was getting a little hard to use the toilet because, you know, reaching through all those layers <laughs> was difficult. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. That's a, that's a good one. Thank you for sharing that. We'll have to we'll have to use that during counselor training to make sure for counselor <laughs> care to make sure that's they're right. looking out for that. You know, care one hundred and one. Yeah, along with make sure they change socks. That's make sure they change underwear. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks. That that that's really great. <laughs> I wonder if you had any. Again, I I don't like the term favorite stories, but any any other stories of your own time at Susquehanna that stand out to you as memorable? I remember the one group of campers, group of I guess one of the youngest ones, the Redmen, or no, little that, that's the second group, the Littlemen, the Littlemen, yeah, the Littlemen, one of the one of the groups of Littlemen. I made these uh, cardboard trumpets. And got some, went down to the store down here 
and trout run and got a, some gold paint and sprayed them gold and had these guys uh, playing trumpets like the uh, people walking around the Jericho. And we sang this song about walking around Jericho and <laughs> blow trumpets blow and they'd go, do-do-do-do, and they'd all hold up the trumpets. Oh, they were into it. And they would hold up the trumpets and make their trumpet sounds. And I, I, that memory kind of sticks in my mind as a, 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 a fun memory with a group of campers. Yeah. That's great. We always tell counselors to to be ready for creative and perhaps unplanned counselor activities because you often find those those times in the, the schedule where you you have extra time with your campers and you, you have to make it fun for them. Well, sometimes I think, too, in the context of having so much time with the campers, sometimes you have those golden moments, too, that you've mm-hmm. got to be watching for as a counselor. Mm-hmm where you have a golden moment where the group is attentive, they're all focusing, they're hearing, they're listening, and you can't make that happen. But when it happens, you've got to seize that moment yeah, and uh, really make it count for, for eternity. And that's so true, because you, you can't make that happen. But mm-hmm. what you can do is create the environment in which it's more likely to happen sure. and then and know when and how to identify that. And mm-hmm. I think that's really crucial, because I think one of the errors that we, we sometimes make is trying to create that moment instead of just creating the space for that moment. Yeah. Yeah. You create the context in which those moments can happen. You can't orchestrate them, but when they happen, uh, having counselors that will identify that moment and run with it yeah. is real important. You know, sometimes that means we're not going to do the activity I was going to do right now yeah. because this is golden and I'm going to run with this, you know, at this moment. This, this wasn't spiritually impactful for me, but as a camper one time, we were collecting firewood and we found a big old tractor tire in the woods, like half buried. It, it was like in the swampy areas, half buried. We pulled it out and as a, as a group, we rolled it all the way up to the top of the toboggan run and then released it to see how far it would go. And then we did it again. And again, and again, for like the counselor just cut, probably sat, he probably took a nap. He probably just sat back and watched us. He prevented us from climbing in the tire and riding it down, which is a good move on his yeah, part. Yeah. But that was like completely, that, that is a, such a wonderful memory for me. And now it didn't have a spiritual impact necessarily, but it was, it was just one of those, like you couldn't have planned that. Well, it had spiritual impact in the sense it was part of the mosaic of the Camp Susquehanna Fund it, atmosphere in which spiritual ministry takes place. You know, it was fun, and I think it's, that was our Susquehanna night, and it set up Susquehanna night that much better because that was it was team building. It was we, I mean, it, we were little scrawny eleven year olds pushing this. This thing probably weighed three hundred pounds. Pushing that up was not an easy thing for us to do. And not only that, we were tired out, so we probably slept better that night too. Was, so you're right. I, I okay, there's a spiritual aspect to it. Good job. <laughs> you found out later that your counselor had buried the, the tire in <laughs> all the planned. ground during changeover yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. I remember one time, we, one of the winter events, oh, one of the boys in our church that had gone up to for the winter event got caught somehow on that toboggan run and broke his arm. I mean, it's serious... Mm. Major League broken arm, and uh, Bob Dittmar called me. He said, "We're, you know, we're, we, we're going to need to send him home because this is it's compound fracture. Mm-hmm. It was all mm-hmm. set and cared for, but we're not going to be able to. He, he's going to be too uncomfortable to mm-hmm. stay. And it was just a weekend event anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember talking to his parents and a little bit of fear and trepidation. I didn't want them to be upset with the camp. Mm-hmm. But they were very understanding and mm-hmm. they were fine with it. Uh, now the kid's a surgeon, but he <laughs> takes care of other people's arms. But uh, he was... Uh, we, we, every now and then, Dad, I'll post a throwback picture on Facebook of that old wooden toboggan run. And it gets just lit up with comments but every comment is about some horrific injury that happened <laughs> it's, it's just like oh my goodness i don't know if i should have posted this, yeah, this you is... don't really want people reading all those comments right about injuries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should mention our sledding hill is 
not risk-free now, but it's safer than it, it it's used to definitely be. I was worried about that tire rolling down. Like, wow, who gives it direction once it comes down? Oh, uh, yeah. That to keep from knocking over somebody yeah. or, it, or hurting a building. I mean, yeah, it, it petered out before it got to the dining hall, but okay. it went it went away. It went way <laughs> past the observatory. It was yeah. like, and I think the, the further it went, the more tiring it was to push it all the way back. <laughs> uh, yes. Counselor, I mean, in, in retrospect, the counselor probably loved that activity. Uh, yeah. yeah. Got you good and tired and yeah. occupied you for yeah. quite a while. Dave, we should probably get to the thankfuls because we, we've got, we don't want to. We're coming up on dinner. Yeah. So to close each podcast, we've been asking our guests to share something they're thankful for, but we have several rules that we're very pharisaical about. Our listeners are probably tired of, of hearing them all, but just for uh, your own personal edification, we require you to be thankful for something from the last 24 hours, and uh, it has to be specific and there are no repeats. And when we're, we, we do this with our support staff now in the evenings after like evening devotions. And so we'll let our staff pass, but we always come back to them. So in a, a group this small, you might not get much time to, to think. So that said, Ted, what are you thankful for today? I am very thankful. This is a small thing, but I'm thankful that uh, the snow was as minor as it was today. Because I was a little worried about that. Mm. We have uh, we have a little Airbnb on our property. We have a log cabin. And I was afraid if it snows too much and it needs to be plowed and I'm going to need to be up at Susquehanna by late morning and how will I get all this done? And maybe I'll have to have one of my boys come over and do it. And I was all worried about that. And it turned out the snow was a non-event. And so it freed me to come up here without worry and without worrying about my wife who'd be worrying about our guests. So I was glad for that. Well, I think we're thankful you made it here too. That's that's not a repeat and that's not my <laughs> official thankful. Uh, while we're at it, Peter, what are you thankful for? Uh, I'm, I, I really love this uh, Gospel Coalition Pastors Retreat. Um, there's so many people I get to see at the same, and they, you know, they all, they all come here. So it was great to see a lot of friends that I don't get to see often enough. Um, a lot of wonderful pastoral leaders here this week. I would add that I'm thankful for the singing that takes place mm. at this retreat yeah, because sure. our dining hall is not very good acoustically. It's very echoey and resonant, but that makes... Uh, a singing experience in there, especially when everyone sings out as they do at this retreat, it, it makes it really powerful. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. There's nothing quite as wonderful as men singing the praise of God too. I always mm. think that a gospel, you know, the national gospel coalition mm. event, it just, you know, mm. that's one of the overwhelming joys of being there. Yeah, for sure. Well, Thank you for joining us, Chief Ted. It was a delight to be with you. I'm thankful for Susquehanna and for your work. I pray that God will bless it through many, many years and more generations of the uh, uh, Dipmar Swift clan. <laughs> you should meet my children before you say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember so well your dad and your aunt and your uncle as teenagers and, and and of course your grandmother Wanda, mm -hmm. but they were such uh, helpful. They were such they such servants' hearts. Mm -hmm. They were just, I mean, something needed to be cleaned up. They were there with the broom, and they were mm -hmm. you know uh, always very very helpful. It's no different now. Dennis is up here helping out, cleaning it with mm -hmm. every spring and fall work weekend, and he's. Uh, yeah, he doesn't listen to podcasts. This is the second time I've mentioned him. I don't think <laughs> yeah. he knows how to listen to a podcast, but yeah, he's, that's no change. I always think of Dennis when the somehow when the foundation got built for Laurel Lodge, the foundation was too small for the building, mm. which is and when we had the plans to build the building, we thought, uh oh, so that's why it's cantilevered two feet on both sides because, <laughs> and I think Dennis laid the foundation. I'm sure that he laid the foundation. He was told to lay. But the plans for the building 
which were provided by somebody who was a board member at the time who worked for HUD, mm-hmm. and that's where the plans had come from. But uh, the plans didn't fit the foundation, but we, we made it fit. <laughs> you made it work. And we built it in January. Yeah. Oh, during, it, it was snowed. primarily your church, yeah. Yeah, it snowed. We got up here at night. In the middle of a blizzard. And yeah. we, we thought, well, we'd camp out there. I mean, we were bunking at the uh, uh, dining hall that uh, weekend and, uh, or that week. And then, uh, oh, my goodness, we must have had 18 inches of snow on top yeah. of all the lumber. The Paul, first morning. Paul Mitchell, Larry yeah, Colbert. Yeah, Paul Mitchell, Larry and, uh, Colbert, yeah. Bob Ewer. Bob, yep. Uh, and Jerry Sterrett, my brother-in-law, his dad died. He was supposed to be the foreman of the job. And his dad died, and he took off for New York. And so Bob stepped in and became the foreman. And Bob is a good leader, so he did a great job leading. Uh, and of course, we, his, we could do an episode on that project because I've heard so many stories about the construction of Laurel Lodge. It's, oh, it was yeah. a wow. fun project, and uh, those rafters from the deck, those rafters are so high, we had to build a huge siege work. You know, I mean, it was a great big, huge platform <laughs> to be able to get someone to stand up there to hold the ridge pole to begin to attach all those rafters. Wow. Uh, that was a, a quite an interesting project. And still in use today. Yeah, that's, I, I get grat- very gratified every time I think about it. Because <laughs> that few days we spent doing the framing, and we didn't finish the job, we framed it. And there was a lot of people invested in it after that. But uh, the few days we spent framing have borne such good fruit for so many years. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's always makes me happy when I look at it. For well, sure. I won't tell you how much money, time, and engineering we had to spend on it 10 years ago to deal with. The foundation and, and building not matching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure it must have begun to produce yeah. uh, 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 Boeing. On yeah. the it's all good now, yeah. but it, it was uh, that did end up coming back to bite us in the yeah. end. <laughs> we didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the plans were. I mean, if you we could just chop four feet off the plans because yeah, then, uh, yeah. everything would be affected yeah. then. It's yeah, a, yeah. Well, I guess we'll let you get to okay. dinner then. Enjoy. I don't want to be late for Thank that. You. Thanks again, Ted. Sure. For more information about Camp Susquehanna, visit our website at susquehanna.org. Thanks for joining us around the campfire this week. We'll see you next time. Oh.